And now, Monumental Sports and Entertainment along with Pressbox presents Stan the Fans Bat Around. For the next two hours, listen in as Stan and Craig Heist bat around all manner of topics pertaining to the great game of baseball with their great group of guest contributors. Feel free to tweet your questions to Stan at Stan the Fan. Now sit back and enjoy the bat around. Guys, take it away. And a very pleasant good morning to each and every one of you in our listening or viewing audience. Uh, this is Stan the Fan along with Craig Heist. We're your bat around guys. For Saturday morning, the 27th of July, and a lot to talk about in the world of baseball. But, Craig, before baseball, last night they had 45,000 people at uh, Oriole Park at Camden Yard for the first ever concert in the history of the stadium, Billy Joel. And I was there. He rocked the place. Good. Glad to know that he did. Yeah. It was a great, great evening. Uh, I don't think too many people had a bad experience last night. So um, kudos to the Orioles, Orioles Entertainment, a new division of the ball club and uh, ownership. And I think they delivered a uh, really sensational event for the city of Baltimore, a city that in light of all the other stuff going on could use a nice night. Yeah, and uh, at that venue as well. And it's long overdue because that venue – is good enough to hold, you know, events like that, and yep. uh, and, we'll, and we'll, we'll again, move, and will moving forward. Yes, Craig, an amazing day today. Seriously, all kidding aside, I know you're not a big lacrosse fan. Got the Major League Lacrosse All Star Game in Annapolis. You got the Ravens having practice today at um, at uh, six o'clock tonight at M&T Bank Stadium with fireworks going on. Mm-hmm. All right. And then you've got Adley Rutschman's debut at Aberdeen, his Aberdeen debut, not his professional debut. And that's, I think, at 7 o'clock uh, is the ball game out there, Aberdeen. And he's going de- to be the designated hitter tonight. He's not going to catch tonight. And you have a boxing championship fight at Royal Farms Arena. I'm not trying to make too much of it. But in the, in the pantheon of big days in sports in the marketplace, it's a pretty big day. Yeah, a lot, of th- lot to do for a lot yeah. of different people. And, uh, you, you know, if you, if, if you are a lacrosse fan, yep. and uh, I like lacrosse, I just, yep. you know, have no reason to cover it. But that doesn't mean I'm not a fan of it. Uh, I, I think that's great. Uh, the boxing, I can take or leave <laughs> just because of the way boxing's gone over the last 20 years. Yep. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of great things to do today. Get out yep. and enjoy yourself. Yep, sure, sure is. Uh, you've got a Nats game tonight against the At 405. 4-0-5 against the Dodgers. Who's pitching in today's game? Is this uh, Strasburg? Joe, Joe Ross will Ross. pitch today. Strasburg will pitch tomorrow. Okay. Uh, what was the net result? What was the post game like on Scherzer's game on Thursday? It didn't seem like clearly. Uh, vintage Scherzer was was he reasonably happy with his uh, outcome? He was reasonably happy with it, but uh, you know you, you, he threw I think eighty six pitches over five innings. He gave up the home run, but uh, you know he 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 said from the very beginning what will determine his happiness or content is how he gets up the next day and feels uh, and how he feels. Well, he didn't feel that great. Uh, and then they took an MRI, and they found out that uh, there's a strained muscle. Uh, he took a shot. 
and uh, we'll see. He's not going to do anything today or tomorrow, and then uh, he'll throw again, and we'll see whether or not he can make a start against the Braves. Okay. Sounds like it could linger a little it while right sounds now. Sounds like maybe it could, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, again, they want to they err on the side of caution with this because – they need him going down the stretch, obviously, and uh, you know if he has to miss, an, even if he has to miss another two starts. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah. You're in a situation where you, you you've got all of August and September to still to play. Let me ask you a question. There's been so much focus on Mike Rizzo attempting to acquire a relief arm, and I, I've I've been one touting it for a couple months now. Is there a possibility at the end of the day he 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 adjusts what their bigger need is and said, you know what, in case Scherzer's hurt, you know, if, if we acquire a starter, and I'm not talking about Madison Bumgarner, but if we acquire a reasonable starter, he could be the a better option than Ross, and he might need to fill in, you know, if Max is, this is a, a lengthier thing. It's possible. I'm not sure I see it going that way because the same thing with a reliever. Yeah. Whatever they decide to do is going to be determined, too, on contract, how that's all divvied up, how much would the Nats have to pick up, how much would they not have to pick up, because I, I know they want to stay under the luxury tax if they can. And how far, do you know how far they are under uh, They're close to it, but uh, I think right now they're under it. So okay. right. we'd have to wait and see. All right. Interesting, interesting. Uh, news out of Atlanta last night before well, out we of give Philadelphia our guess, well out of Philadelphia before we give our guest list for today's show uh, what's the latest on a couple players and you give the players well Nick Markakis and Dansby Swanson okay uh, I didn't see or hear of the injuries okay. I knew they were banged up it says that the MLB trade rumors reporting both may need to go on the IL. Well, if that's the case, then that's a that's a big loss for the Braves. There's no question about it. And uh, you think about Marquez hitting in that lineup behind Freddie Freeman, and that's a that's a huge deal. And Dansby's a pretty good table setter. So uh, again, you don't want to see anybody get hurt. But those are two pretty important cogs in that lineup. Swanson injured the base of his heel Tuesday and hasn't played since. I mm-hmm. did not know that. They'll make a decision Saturday. Uh, the news sounds far worse for Marcakis, who took a 91-mile-an-hour fastball off the left wrist from Philly Southpaw Cole Irvin on Friday. While the Braves wound up winning the game, they probably lost Marcakis in the process. He'll see a doctor Saturday. But Marquez said after the game it doesn't look good, and Burns writes that Snitker was pessimistic about his status. This sounds like I mean, this sounds 2012, like a, uh, 2012, right? 2012 all over again with getting hit and then uh, the wrist issue. Right. And if, if there's a broken bone in there, you never know whether it's you know just that or the hamate bone. If it's a hamate bone, that's, that's a significant injury. So let me ask you a question now. Forget for a second that Atlanta has, what, a four, four or five-game lead over Five-and-a-half game five lead now and five in a loss column. But those two losses, personnel losses, matched up with Scherzer, gives the Phillies a little life, and it also gives – it makes for a hell of a battle now between the Cubs, the Red Hot Cardinals, the Brewers, the Phillies, the Nats, and the Braves for two divisions – and two wild card teams. Absolutely, no question about it. And that's yeah. why, 
That's why Mike Rizzo has to take care of this bullpen issue between now and the trade deadline to see what, an, what, what kind of a deal he can swing. And I'm almost to the point where I, I know they don't want to give up Carter Keyboom, but yeah. if yeah, they may have to, who knows, uh, to, to get somebody in here that, that can balance that pen out because, uh, you, you know, up until the last, up until the start of this series, believe it or not, they had the best bullpen ERA in the month of July. And you, there's no point in time in this season you would have said that. Right. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. And uh, last night I was befuddled. The one, the game that Rodney didn't didn't finish off two days ago yeah, on Thursday. against Colorado Thursday, I didn't have much of an issue with. Your bullpen was taxed. You were playing three games in the course of 24 hours. Right. Doolittle had been used twice. Rodney had been used twice. Rodney went to management and said, I'm you know, okay. if, you, if you need me, I'm okay. I can go. And uh, he, you know, just obviously just didn't get it done. But right. last night, Javi Guerra starts the eighth inning. It's a 1-1 tie. He gets the first two outs relatively easily. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Davey Martinez goes with Tony Sip to go lefty-lefty on Jock Peterson. And I get the whole analytics yeah. and, the, and the lefty-lefty matchup. And... Uh, <sighs> He gives up a walk, a base hit, and then, you know, they go get Bearclaw, who just came up, uh, activated yesterday from Harrisburg, working on a lot of things. Velocity's up, so that's yeah, a that's good a thing. Good thing right? uh, but he had trouble with his command. He threw one to the backstop, and then oh, uh, on, a on a 3-1 pitch, you know, Justin Turner's one of the best fastball hitters around, and Justin Turner did what he does. He turned on it. <laughs> he turned on it. <laughs> All right. A tough loss for the But Nats then again, yeah. you say that and you talk about bullpen issues. Kenley Jansen's got 25 saves now after last night, but right. he has blown four saves this year. Last night, another perfect example. You know, the Dodgers can't be all that comfortable with him at the back end right now because he comes in and loads the bases and throws a wild pitch to score a run. I did not know that. Yeah, okay. throws a wild pitch, score a run, and that was another one right to the backstop over the head of everybody. <laughs> and uh, and then he winds up getting – Howie Kendrick last night is up with the bases loaded, a chance to, to either tie, tie the, game the game with a base hit yeah. or win the game. He takes the first two pitches, neither of which on camera were strikes, but Brian O'Neill determined they were – the first one, how he said something to him. The second one, how he was visibly upset. Then he fouled three balls off. Right. And then he winds up striking out on a, on a letter-high fastball. All right, there you have it. I just wanted to go over one thing uh, standings-wise. You know, much has been made. The Orioles, by the way, their number one uh, pick this year is making his, not his professional debut, that already occurred earlier in the week at Sarasota with the Gulf Coast League uh, club, but he's making his Aberdeen Ironbirds debut. He's going to DH tonight. We'll have uh, general manager Matt Slatus on for about five minutes at about 1125. But I just wanted to look at the standings. Much has been made of the fact a lot of people thought, oh, the Orioles will have the number one pick for three years in a row. Well, they are now – if my calculation, let's see, they're 34 and 69. Just look at the loss column. Yeah, but I just want I can I can do the math better this way. 69, and the Tigers have the same amount of losses. So they are two games. The Tigers are now two games behind the Orioles, all in the win column. They're both tied at 69. The uh, the Nats have. I mean, the Tigers have 30 wins. 
The Orioles have 34. Now, how's that been accomplished? The last 24 games, when it looked like it was a fait accompli that the Orioles would have back-to-back number one picks, the Orioles have gone a surprising 12-12, and and the Tigers have gone 4-20. and Yeah. Yeah, that'll do it. Oh, and and that's put some distance between two, <laughs> yeah. the two as well. Yeah, and the two teams are far and away the worst. I mean, the Marlins, I guess, are next worst at 39 and 62. So they're like eight games in front. And the uh, Royals are not uh, exactly fantastic, but they're 39 and 66. Mm-hmm. So this is a two-way battle down to the wire. Uh, and they, these two teams, the Tigers and the Orioles, will play four times in uh, mid in mid September in so, Detroit. So those are meaningful games for another totally different reason. Yes, yes. <laughs> Maybe you and I'll fly out to Detroit. Right, today. exactly. On the press box jet. All right. Here's what we've got for you today. Coming up in about five minutes, a repeat visit, brief visit today by Tim Richardson. Tim is a PR uh, guru around town. He's got connections in the sports world. He works for um, Johns Hopkins Hospital PR, I believe, but he is also a board member for the Cameron Lambert Foundation. I think that the drawing for that Mike Mussina uh, signed jersey Mm -hmm. in a great frame, I think it's today, and we'll talk to Tim about whether or not, because he told me, by the way, he had people outside the market, uh, Craig, somebody from Florida, was watching the right, was watching, watching the, show, the, stream, the, the yeah. stream, and bought a bunch of tickets. Um, so we're pretty excited about that, and we wanted to see if people could still buy tickets. I think they can. I think you'd have to Venmo the money. Do you know what Venmo is? No. Okay, it's like PayPal. It's the way of the world today. I know. So how do you use Venmo? So it, it's basically a money transferring app. So, so you- I put, like, Craig Heist number his like social security number in and then we just have him pay yeah and then steal his identity okay yeah yeah no seriously how does venmo no so if if i wanted to pay you stan five dollars i type in your name and say pay five dollars and then say you know i'm paying you for the raffle tickets okay and then just send you the money it sends you the money, okay. And then so you, you it's could, like PayPal. And then you could do the same for me, or you can request me to send you the money. Do you have to have like a a bank of money in there at the time, or do yes. you do it transaction by transaction? Yeah. So you can you can either sign up with your bank account, you okay. know, PNC, TD, anything, right. or you can have money already existing in your Venmo account. Okay. You could put like a hundred dollars and use it for small things. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. Well, we'll find out from Tim Richardson whether or not people can still buy those tickets. 1035, Craig, we had this gentleman on. Adam Gladstone knows him pretty well. He's Rick White, the president of the Atlantic League, where mm-hmm. they're doing all these experiments with the rules. The most uh, interesting one to me is the early returns on how this uh, uh, automated uh, electronic uh, ball and strike assist is going. We'll talk to him. Then our friend uh, Andrew Stetka uh, from Arizona will join us at about 10.55 or 11 o'clock to talk about the O's. He writes for the uh, Utah Street Report, and he writes for um, uh, MassInSports.com. I'm sorry about that. And then at 11.25, Matt Slatus, the general manager of the Aberdeen Ironbirds, going to join us quickly to talk a little. He's got a busy day today. 
to talk a little bit about a big night tonight for the Aberdeen Ironbirds. We'll find out if it is officially sold out or not. 4.15 short press conference by Adley Rutschman in Aberdeen uh, late this afternoon, and that'll be at 4.15. We'll talk to him at 11.25, and then Craig Heiss came through with a great guest, Jesse Darty, uh, Washington Post's Nats beat writer. This has been really interesting, and I thought that the July 31st deadline was going to end up causing teams to move much quicker. Other than the Kashner trade and one other, what's the one other trade that's been fairly, there's been one other trade that was significant, wasn't there, in the last 10, 10 or 12 days? Homer Bailey. Home, Homer, it wasn't yeah, that big was, a deal. Yeah. But, but anyway, aside from that, now we get Derek Holland in the first of what we think will be a whole horde of moves over the next four or five days. But that's not a particularly exciting move as he goes to the Cubs from the Giants. Uh, how busy do you think things are going to get, like, uh, Sunday, I think, Monday? I, I think Sunday, Monday, you know, and I think that – they're gonna they're gonna heat up a little bit the the, the whole process and uh, teams you think are, teams 15, are gonna you be think scrambling. fifteen players will go you know I don't know whether it'll be that many but uh, I think there'll be some some heavy activity especially the last two days all right Yankees all of a sudden their starting pitching looks like crap it really does I mean Sabathia is not much of a help Domingo German after he's come back from the DL has been awful Paxton's been awful. Clearly, they're still the best team, but it's interesting. They've gotten clobbered the last two nights by the Red Sox. Um, could could the Red Sox, and Kashner pitched a pretty good seven innings last night, could the Red Sox with, you know, with David Price and uh, Chris Sale and Porcello and Eduardo Rodriguez who's pitching so well, could this thing tighten up between those two teams? It could tighten up, but I don't see the Yankees losing that lead uh, right now. I mean, unless something unforeseen happens, like there's a total collapse. But, uh, I mean, for everything they've been through, Stan, and they've had shaky starting pitching a lot from Sabathia and some others throughout the course of the year, and they're doing this without Sebi. And, uh, but offensively, they've, they've always been able to compensate for it. And... Uh, They've built themselves a pretty comfortable lead. So, yeah, I mean, but the Red Sox have uh, performed very well the first two games of that series. Yeah, no question about it. All right, joining us right now is PR professional and a friend of both Craig Heist and I. He's also got tentacles in the sports world. And, yes. and No, and real quick, that Yankee-Red Sox yeah. thing, just let it play out and see where it goes. All right, all right. Uh, joining us right now for a repeat appearance uh, to talk about the Cameron Lambert Foundation and this drawing for the Mike Mussina signed jersey, framed in a beautiful frame, is Tim Richardson. Tim, how are you? Good, fellas. How are you doing today? Good. Hey, Tim, as a PR professional. Craig, I'm, ignore- Craig, I'm ignoring you, by the way. That's all right. That's no different than any other time. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Tim, as a, as a PR professional who's worked for years, tell me about your, your thoughts about the Billy Joel concert and what it means to Baltimore City. I think it's in, it's incredible. I mean, when you can attract an act like that, I mean, think about it. If you think of a, the level of Billy Joel, yep. he has a residency at Madison Square Garden. So he's the only you know, non-professional sports team that has a residency, residency in one of the most famous arenas in the world. So to attract that kind of talent, I know as we know, the Ravens have done this over the years. Mm-hmm. They've had concerts 
They've done international soccer matches, which I was uh, privileged to be a part of. Yep. So for the Orioles to now be able to do this and what it brings into the city, and I think baseball venues are perfect for things like this because yep. you don't want to see people in, in arenas December. where it's 100,000 people. Right. I mean, to be able to see it and the economic impact, the, to be able to do this and have another venue in downtown Baltimore to showcase the city and everything, I mean, it's, it's a win-win for everybody involved. All right. I was there last night. It was really a tremendous event. Really yeah, tremendous. I'm very jealous. I was getting videos sent to me by friends of my favorite songs just rubbing in that I wasn't there. I think I was the only person not at that concert. No, we, I wasn't either. We had we had a, my uh, oldest cousin in my family uh, passed away in November and his favorite song was Piano Man, and my wife videoed it and sent it to his wife, my cousin, Carol, and it was very touching. And Eddie Matt, that's Eddie Matt's dad, Craig. Yeah. Phil passed yeah. away. In the Stan, where did they have the, where, where was the stage set up? Center field. Sta- stage yeah, was center set field. up in center field facing the batter's box, so to speak. Okay. You know? It was very, very cool. Very, very cool. You sound cool. pretty good? You, yeah, he You saw what they did to the warehouse, right? Picture of the warehouse. They put the, they the, put the piano keys, the length of the warehouse. Well, I didn't at the notice. Beginning. Yeah. I didn't notice that. But he sounded incredible. And yeah, really I think you know, well done by the Orioles. Well yeah. done by the Angelos boys and getting yeah. something like that done and yeah. expanding that to use Oriole Park as, as such a it's such a great venue to begin with. So yeah. to be able to do something like that at this level is terrific. Hey, you you kind of got me excited this week. I mean, you know, I was excited about this Mucina jersey. I think it's great and how it's going to help the Cameron. Lambert Foundation, uh, and I'll ask you in a second to re- repeat the story about who Cameron was. Yep. Um, but but you excited me last week. This week, you let me know that a bunch of people that were listening and watching us on Facebook Live bought tickets, uh, yep. including somebody from Florida. Uh, so is is it still possible for somebody to buy the tickets today? Yes, yes. So first of all, I mean, we had Florida, we had Pennsylvania, we had Delaware. So there were people from, you know, outside of Maryland that were buying tickets. And it's, it's easily equatable to me being on last week and some of them that actually bought tickets referenced and that. Even, um, but yet. And even people that aren't incarcerated? <laughs> yes. Just a yes. joke there. Just and, not, joke. and people that aren't just your friends and your family. So that's good, too. <laughs> all you right. So, so today is. So the, the good news is yeah. it is still available. I okay. heard you say earlier the raffle actually will take place tomorrow. Okay. So great. it's Sunday, July 28th at 3 p.m. Okay. at the Foundation's Crab Feast. We will do the drawing um, and it'll at 3 p.m. So tickets will still be on sale and available up until 10 a.m. tomorrow. So people can still buy tickets. They can go to. The events page of CameronLambert.com, and that's K-A-M-R-Y-N-L-A-M-B-E-R-T.org. I'm sorry, CameronLambert.org. They can call 443-852-0480, or they can use your favorite way of paying, because I heard you discussing it with Ryan earlier. They can Venmo. They can go to at Cameron Lambert Foundation on Venmo um, to, to buy tickets as well. All right. Uh, now I'm again. I'm an idiot when it comes to this modern stuff. I know my tickets. You were kind enough to let me send in a check. I know that's really not possible now because you can't. Uh, you you wouldn't get the money in time, and I wouldn't get the tickets in time. But we did it last week. Yep. How would somebody that pays by Venmo know that they're that they actually have tickets, and who would know 
whether they won or not in case so, the number was yep, So the Venmo, what happens is once it's Venmoed in, it goes directly into the bank account of the foundation. Okay. And Debbie Katzenberger, who's, the, who's Cameron's grandmother okay. and the executive director, she gets contacted about that. That She then can contact the person, and what she'll do is take a, a photo of their tickets perfect, perfect. and send them to them. So everything will be taken care of. That's how we've been doing it right now. She yep. sends the tickets. Um, a picture of the fo- of the tickets to them. We get the phone number, so if they win, we can call them tomorrow. All right, now so it's official. In our remaining minute, I want minutes. I want to hear a little bit about Cameron, but before you do that, tell people again in case they're just tuning in what the raffle is for, what they can win. Okay, great. It's an actual authentic clubhouse issued, so it's it's from the team specifically. Right. It's an oil jersey that's signed by you know new new National Baseball Hall of Famer Mike Mussina, who went into Cooperstown last week. Uh, the jersey feature is kind of cool. In addition to his signature, it's got some really special insignias on it. It features um, the patch commemorating the 50th anniversary of Jackie Robinson breaking uh, the color barrier in baseball, and yep. then on the other shoulder, on the um, left shoulder. It's the 200th anniversary of the city of Baltimore. And what's really great about this is if you win this prize, mm-hmm. you're not just getting a jersey sent to you. We've had it professionally framed. So it's yep. in a 16 by 40 matted professional frame. So not only do you get the jersey, but you get this nice frame as well. And the great part about this is tickets are only $5. Yeah. It's as simple as, as $5. And 100% of our ticket sales yep. goes directly to foundation programs because we have no we have no paid staff so every every dollar every dime every penny of what you're giving goes directly to that and if i can give you a quick example of what just five dollars can do yep. just this week we provided five cases of what we call treasure chest toys and over 50 of these critter pillar uh kid neck rolls yep. uh to the university of maryland sinai pediatric and sinai pediatric oncology clinics and then we also gave 100 stuffed animals to um, Johns Hopkins Bayview and the price of one raffle ticket yep. can purchase a treasure chest can ball spy small toys can purchase one critter pillow or one stuffed animal so people even if you just buy one ticket the impact you're having is significant all right and again Cameron Lambert Foundation through Cameron dreams become possibilities tell our listeners out there about young Cameron Lambert who lost her uh, battle with cancer Yes. Uh, well, the foundation itself was created in memory of, of it was created by family and friends of Cameron. And Cameron unfortunately passed away in September of 2007. She was just shy of her ninth birthday, mm-hmm. and it was after a three-year battle with leukemia. So the foundation was created to carry on, you know, her memory, but also set up to help children like Cameron and their families who are dealing with, you know, issues whether it be medical financial, um, psychological, whatever it might be, to help those kids actually, you know, enjoy childhood while they're battling these horrific diseases. All right. Well, yeah, I know you're a member of the board. This is a great cause. And, again, uh, tickets are just $5. Tim, repeat real quick how people can get the tickets. Sure. They can simply call 443-852-0480. That number, again, is 443 852 0480, or they can go to the event page of CameronLambert.org. And again, that's K A M R Y N L A M B E R T.org, or via Venmo, they can go to at Cameron Lambert Foundation and buy tickets that way. And again, they, they'll be available up through 10 o'clock tomorrow, Sunday the 28th, and the drawing will take place at 3 p.m. 
at our crab feast, which you do not have to be present to win. We will give, call. We will call and notify the winner. Give me the phone number one more time: four four three eight five two zero four eight zero. Okay. Tim, really appreciate your coming on both last Saturday and this Saturday. It's a great cause. Always happy to help. All right. Great, right. and we're uh, and Craig, we're really looking forward to letting this thing play out. Yeah, well, you should and get as much as you can. <laughs> right. Thanks, fellas. See All you. Right. See you, Timmy. Timmy Richardson. There you have it. Uh, we've got to get a timeout in before our discussion with Rick White. Let's uh, talk, tell folks about. I think our favorite restaurant in Baltimore. You mean the Costas Inn? Uh, of course I mean the Costas Inn. All right, Inn. well, there's great crab cakes and uh, crabs. It's the place to go in the summertime for Baltimore's best seafood, and uh, they are located at 4100 North Point Boulevard. They've got great specials on the menu. Would I be right in saying that crab cake night is Monday night? Yeah, uh, you would be correct. Rib night is Tuesday uh, night. One more time. Wednesday night is steak night, and you get half-priced bottles of wine, selected bottles of wine or uh, half That price. sounds pretty good to me. And Thursday night is lobster night. Right, and you can get that plain or stuffed, and there's great menu specials uh, besides those in particular weeknight uh, occasions uh prime rib always a great uh, choice on the menu and uh you know nick and treat uh, nick and pete treat you right so i mean <laughs> nick get and over, treat pete you're right. right pete you're right uh get over to 4100 north point boulevard the cost is in since 1971 and tell them craig heist and stan the fan the bat around guys sent you Baltimore's favorite bar is just 771 feet from home plate at Camden Yards. Sliders Bar and Grill is at 504 Washington Boulevard, just steps away from Camden Yards. It's the perfect sports bar for every season. This is the perfect time to book your private party or take the office to lunch. Feeding clients, take them to Baltimore's neighborhood sports bar, Sliders, for great food and drinks with some local atmosphere. You can book your private event on the second floor or on the outside patio, both overlooking the best stadium in baseball. See all of Sliders' daily specials or book your party at slidersbaltimore.com sliders baltimore's neighborhood sports bar visit them today around here there are two kinds of chicken royal farms world famous chicken and everything else what's the difference royal farms chicken is always fresh never frozen it's hand dipped in a secret recipe of herbs and spices and cooked on the spot right in the store chicken from anywhere else who knows Hungry for some hot and delicious chicken? Get some Royal Farms World Famous Chicken. It's one of a kind. And don't forget the Western fries. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. In Birdland, summer looks a lot like strolling under the lights on Utah Street, diving into a juicy Boog's barbecue sandwich, snagging exclusive giveaways, and tagging your friends to get theirs too. Saving big with kids cheer free, or sipping on an ice cold brew on the Budweiser roof deck while jamming out to the all new Birdland Summer Music Series. Whatever gets you going this summer, Oriole Park has you covered. And all you need is your ticket. Be part of it all. Orioles.com. This is the old left-hander Ross Grimsley. You know, I've always known a little something about special pitchers, but today I'm pitching to you about a very special restaurant, the Costas Inn. Located at 4100 North Point Boulevard, the Costas Inn is known far and wide for their great steamed crabs and crab cakes. But get a load of the nightly specials. Monday night is rib night. Tuesday night, crab cake night. Wednesday night, steak night. Lobster nights on Thursday. Friday, Pete and Nick offer a variety of special dinners. Take it from me, Ross Grimsley. I'm no special. And the Costas Inn is one hell of a special place. 
Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values, earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com slash bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. As the weather heats up, the menu at Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square cools down, introducing the all-new Frosted Key Lime, a fun twist on one of America's favorite pies. The new treat is a hand-spun combination of Chick-fil-A's signature ice dream, Chick-fil-A lemonade, and natural sugar-free lime flavoring made from a blend of key limes, coffer limes, and Persian limes. Frosted Key Lime gets its green color from a mix of nutrient-rich ingredients. Download the Chick-fil-A app today, place your order, and get points towards free stuff at Our Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square. Plus, if you order using your app, your food will be ready when you get there. Stop by Chick-fil-A in the Nottingham Square Shopping Center at 5198 Campbell Boulevard and tell Steve we sent you. This is former Trump AJ Francis just here to let you know that I am a huge wrestling fan. I know you are too. And there's a lot of stupid idiots out there that ruin the wrestling podcast experience for everyone else. Hey, Aaron Hoster from I the bottom of Sun and Rolling Stone. I don't understand why people would ever cheer for Roman Reigns. He's awful. I'm sick of it. Boo! Boo Roman Reigns! Never wrestled for Ring of Honor. Never wrestled for PWG. Never wrestled uh, in Japan. He is no Kenny Omega. Too sweet me, bro. I hate both of you. And this is why I keep stupid idiots like you on my list. This is your boy, Y2AJ, here to save you. Find Jobbing Out, the podcast tab at PressBoxOnline.com on SoundCloud or iTunes. And we are back on the Battle Round, reminding you that today's show is brought to you by Mobile One Synthetic Oil. It keeps your engine running like new. Synthetic motor oils. Trusted protection, the mobile advantage. And... Since we broadcast live from the Live Casino Hotel Studios, I wanted to tell you about a great show they've got coming up at the Casinos Event Center. That's right, the Live Event Center, Saturday, August the 17th at 8 p.m. Dwight Yoakam and Sugar Cane Jane. If you're a country music fan, you're going to want to go to this concert, Event Center, 8 o'clock, Saturday, August 17th. Tickets are $45.00. But you get a $10 free slot play with each ticket purchase. And, Craig, that means if I took you as my date, it would cost me $90, but we'd get back 20 in free slots play. And you know with our luck, we'd lose that 20 as well. As well so. yeah. <laughs> Joining us right and, now. And you'd lose, too, if you took me as your date. Yeah, <laughs> that would be the biggest loss of all. Uh, we are broadcasting from the Live Casino Hotel Studios and very happy to be joined right now with uh, Rick White, the president of the Atlantic League. Rick, thank you very much for joining us on the bat around today. Absolutely. My pleasure, Stan. And listen, uh, can I join the both of you when you go to the casino? That'd be great. Then, then, we, get then we get $30 that we lose. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thanks for joining us, uh, Rick. I met you through Adam Gladstone. Uh, and I'm surprised you still rem- let me be your friend uh, <laughs> since we were introduced by Adam Gladstone. But you are the president of the Atlantic League. Uh, tell us a little bit, before we get into the specifics, tell us a little bit about how this new relationship developed between MLB and the Atlantic League. We've enjoyed a relationship for roughly five years now because of the numbers of players our league transfers to MLB organizations on an annual basis. 
Last year, during the calendar year, we actually sent Mm -hmm. 70 players back to big league organizations. I'm delighted to tell you one of our players was just named to the active roster of the Seattle Mariners. Ryan Court was playing second base for the Sugarland Skeeters uh, up until uh, just a while ago, and yesterday he got promoted to the big club in Seattle. So we have a very important role in the game that most people don't recognize because we're not affiliated with any particular team. But due to that, we were invited at the winter meetings to consider a proposal that Major League Baseball submitted to us, which was to become their partner in testing all of their new rules and experimental equipment ideas. The the purpose behind that was because of the high-level play in our game, uh-huh. the feeling by MLB was that rather than a spring training test or a low-level affiliated test, we would be a much better foil to help them pioneer these rules changes. And based on what we discover, they then will start to follow protocols to move these along to potential big league play. So we're or, 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 they asked us to do that. Or or dismiss them. That they're, or they're dismiss just them, out, yeah. yeah, yeah this or modify them along the yep. way. And, and, you know, all three are possibilities. All right. Now, what did what did the Atlantic League get for doing this? Because you're giving up a little bit. I'm not saying the integrity of the game, but you're giving up the ability to play the game the way people are used to seeing it with the rules that we've had for a couple hundred years. So what did you guys get in return for being sort of the, uh, the laboratory? Four things. One, Major League Baseball has invested a significant seven-figure amount in providing to us TrackMan advanced analytics equipment in each one of our ballparks, including the installation, calibration, and the operation of that. Mm -hmm. So they're paying for all of that. Second, we are receiving Major League Baseball's statistical services, which was a huge leap forward in terms of its um, expertise and uh, professionalism. Okay. Third, because of TrackMan, our players are now getting more looks every night, not just by scouts who attend our games, but by each of the 30 clubs who get an upload of their statistical work in each night's game. And then lastly, because of the alignment, we are having our national brand profile escalated to unforeseen heights. Uh, Major League Baseball is very powerful. They are followed quite closely by scores of media at all levels and throughout North America and internationally. To have that kind of alignment really helps our brand recognition, and that's something we take quite seriously. Is, is it, I, I'm not trying to be funny here, it, can that mean in, incredible uptick in the sales of team shirts and logo merchandise? Stan, I think it potentially can. Yeah. Um, but we just want to build presence. And, and gotcha. what we're hoping to do is to convert that, that recognition of the league into curiosity where people, particularly within our community, say, I'd like to go see what's happening at an Atlantic League game. If we can promote trial, we generally will, rep- will see that 
become repeat business and we want to invest we want to invite guests out to our game so uh this is a win-win for us real quick uh because we do have as we found out last week with this charity thing that we promoted and people in florida bought it where are our closest uh, atlantic league affiliate is york correct correct that is correct but what are the cities in the atlantic league uh going north to south and east to west New Britain, Connecticut, Central Islip, Long Island, New York, Bridgewater Township, New Jersey, Lancaster, PA, York, Pennsylvania, Southern Maryland, which is in Waldorf, Maryland. That's the Blue Crabs. Point, yeah, the Blue Crabs. That is yeah. the Blue Crabs. That's correct. And if you saw Sports Illustrated this week, you saw they did a big profile of the Blue Crabs. Mm-hmm. Uh, High Point, North Carolina, our newest entry into the Atlantic League. And then heading west for anybody who might travel just outside of Houston, Sugarland, Texas. Okay. All right, Rick. I, I understand what Stan was asking you in terms of well, what you know, kind of what's in it for the Atlantic League. But my other question is, why is the commissioner of Major League Baseball trying to ruin the game? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Andrew, to know, me, to me, and I don't mean that in a in a you know. To, you mean to, that with all due respect? I, I, I mean that with all due respect, and no knock on you or the Atlantic League or anything else, because you guys, like you said, you guys are the avenue for this kind of thing. But I'm going to tell you right now, with some of these implications of the rules, they are going to drive people away from Major League Baseball. That's your opinion. Even if we That's don't, my if, opinion. Even if we, if, even if we don't agree with the individual rules or equipment initiatives, why don't we start from two two focal points? Number one. Let's give Major League Baseball credit for testing the rules at a high level before they consider implementing them at the Major League Baseball level. But number two, let's take a look at why they're doing this. Major League Baseball action that the three of us and all of your listeners have always enjoyed, great defensive plays, great athleticism, home runs, doubles, triples, stolen bases, have, as, um, as research will share with ev- all of us, declined by almost 30% in the last 12 years, meaning that the incidence of true outcomes, strikeouts, bases on balls, and home runs, where nothing else virtually happens during those cases, has increased by 30% over the last 12 years. That means that the game action that brought us to the game has significantly declined. That means some of the anecdotal information we've seen, such as strikeouts outnumbering hits for the first time in the history of the game in 2018, have become indicators that suggest to the commissioner's office that the game has some things they need to worry about, especially with a younger audience. The feeling in that office is that millennials in particular have far shorter attention spans for any recreational activity, that they are glued to their handheld devices, and that the game itself, because it is so pastoral and now has so much less action, must must do something to help regenerate fans so that they can go into the MLB pipeline, where fans generally have school, school, pardon me, generally have skewed older anyway. So 
that's the reasoning behind it from the MLB perspective. We appreciate that answer, Rick. I, I know Craig's not sold on it, but I thought it was a great answer. That was a great answer, but I'm not sold on it All because right. I, I – well, you know, well, you're, you're in my – And Craig, understand, this office, my office uh, – I'll give you an anecdote, but this, this office is not trying to convince you to like one or any of the ten rules that we're, we're working on right now. <clears throat> That's not our job. Our job is to help Major League Baseball test them. I will tell you, your, your sentiment about the commissioner is well taken. Uh, judging from my unsolicited email, I'm probably the second most reviled person in Major League <laughs> or in baseball right now. And I the commissioner takes first place. And I haven't I even emailed you. <laughs> <laughs> Let me, let's move to, to some of these changes. First of all, when we had you back on in late February or early March, there was a discussion about the second half of the season that the Atlantic League might move the pitcher's mound back from 60 feet 6 inches to, I think, 62 feet 6 inches. Was that? I remember that quite vividly, yes. And, and that has been tossed aside, correct? Yeah. For now. That's also correct. Yeah. Why was it tossed aside? I thought it was, I, I thought it was interesting, but I thought the ramifications of it throughout the world of baseball were too expensive to adjust. I mean, you'd have to change every field from high school to college to junior college. I, I don't think I don't know how you'd allow players younger moving up to play at a different distance than than the major leagues. Standpoint is very well taken. To answer your question, though, yeah. uh, this clearly was. I'm going to say indefinitely postponed, okay. although indefinitely postponed can change tomorrow to we're going to do it next year. And, and again, we are obligated as part of our relationship to test anything that Major League Baseball would like with, with, some, with some protocols they must go through in order to make that happen. But more to the point, there was a recognition by Major League Baseball that we were taking on a huge amount of activity, not only to implement the rules, but also to install and execute those things associated with the rules. Take the 18-inch square base. Right. Now, in and of itself, I don't think most people have thought for two minutes about the difference between an 18-inch base and a 15-inch base. But in our case, we had to design entirely new base anchors. Mm -hmm. We had to work through Major League Baseballs to obtain those bases. We had to have pitchers in particular practice taking throws at first base on ground balls to, to first basemen to make sure this wasn't going to do anything kind of crazy. Cause more and injuries. what most people wouldn't think is we had to completely recalibrate all of our ball fields to make sure that our dimensions were accurate. And then lastly, because we host so many exhibition games and tournaments, we also had to come up with a way to feature 15-inch bases for those high school games and college games that our teams also host in their facilities. So with something as simple as an 18-inch base, which doesn't seem very complicated at all, there were lots of consequences. If you transfer that idea to the idea of 
automated balls and strikes, Mm -hmm. the ripples in the pond become far more constant and considerably more complex. All right, let's move to the uh, uh, electronic assist of, of the umpire. First of all, that seems to be the way that MLB wants this described as an umpire assist, correct? Yes, <clears throat> and I, 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 sh- I should tell you that we absolutely buy into that lock, stock, and barrel. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with the, the semantics of it, yeah, and how that, that, that sells it. Tell me how it's going so far. You've been doing it, what, about two and a half, three weeks now? We've been we've been testing it since the well, I guess the middle of May. Okay. Uh, since since the All Star the All Star game is where we unveiled it. We had done plenty of testing and were confident in the system. Otherwise, we would have never showcased it at the All Star game. We only went live league wide, however, on Thursday night. So we've had now experiences in uh, five ballparks. The remaining three will come online here over the next seven days. We are finding a couple of things. Number one, uh, the rule book strike zone is enforceable, and this system is incredibly accurate. We knew that going in, however. The and to, to that sentence is the following. Our umpires, once trained have done a spectacular job of not only honoring the direction to call the normal ball strike that sometimes they might have not called uh, given their personal strike zone, mm-hmm. but moreover, and this is why you called it an assist, and I appreciate you doing that, Stan. Yep. These umpires have been fantastic when you stop to consider that for a foul tip, catcher's interference, check swing, a ball that might bounce in front of the plate and go up through the strike zone, and other related calls. They, they have done a marvelous job of staying focused and alert to make sure that they are, quote, overriding the system, close quote, when those instances occur. And for those who would say, well, now their job is easy, Mm-hmm. I would counter that now her job has become considerably more difficult. If you had to make a guess, Rick, how how long before we see this maybe in Major League Baseball? Five years. Okay. Okay. Interesting. I think it's going to be a complete guess. I think because it's going to be. I think it's going to be significantly sooner than that. I think it's going to be about two or three years. I really uh, uh, do. Because here, here's the dynamic as I see it, and this is just one person's yep. opinion. So, but a pretty smart, but a pretty smart person, as, as, well, as, as to opposed say. to me, who was giving my opinion before <laughs> when Stan said when Stan said that's your opinion. <laughs> Don't forget, guys. I often answer to, "Hey, you, dead from the neck up." There so. you go. That's that's it. <laughs> But um, uh, in in my personal opinion, uh, a couple of things. Number one, I don't think the hurdle is going to be players. Yes, I think there are some players who wax ecstatic about the idea of the personal touch represented by the good old days and umpires. But these are the same umpire. These are the same umpires who cause complaints when somebody says, "Hey, you're inconsistent around the plate." or you're inconsistent from game to game, inning to inning, pitch to pitch. And evidence will tell us that is the case. Second, 
I think I think players yearn for the consistency and standardization that we're seeing in our league already. Yep. But moreover, the reason I pause is because Major League Baseball umpires are represented by an association who advocates their cause. And they have uh, very publicly stated they have misgivings individually and severally about what we're doing. So in terms of a threshold, Major League Baseball needs to address that concern. Second, we are one league, and while I would put our players' performance up against any other league other than Major League Baseball, we anticipate MLB will probably take a second step, whether it's in the Arizona Fall League or going to AAA, Mm -hmm. to begin to expose developmental players to the automated strike zone as well so they can socialize the idea amongst those players. And then when they graduate to the big leagues, you have not only people who emotionally are in favor of this, but also people who have been partially exposed to it walking on big league fields. When I was growing up, American League umpires used to wear the outside chest protector, okay? Yeah, the balloon. The balloon. And they stood basically over top of the catcher. National League umpires went to the inside protector, and they were looking over the catcher's shoulder, which to me totally takes away the uh, observation of the outer half of the plate, whatever side you're standing on. That was the first thing to me that they kind of went awry from. The second thing is with Major League Baseball, when Quest Tech came in to existence, they were supposed to, umpires were supposed to be graded. And how much of that actually happens, I'm not so sure. I'm sure it did. But but my my point is, you got the union involved in it, that's true, but by the same token, you're sitting there and, you know, you always hear when players get suspended or, or they do something wrong here and there and they're berating umpire. Nobody ever hears what happens to the umpires with their grading system. And that, to me, has always been a bone of contention with me. Because if Major League Baseball really wanted to end and, and stop this, you know, discrepancies, and we had, we had one to a slight degree last night in the Nationals game. Brian Onora called two strikes to an 0-2 count on Howie Kendrick, then the pitches were nowhere in the strike zone. Yeah, but tomorrow night, the same pitch could be a strike by, the, by that umpire. Um, that's, what, that's what this whole g- game plan is about. But my point is, is introducing major, consistency. Major League Baseball has fallen short with this, just like they okay. fell short with the, with the steroid issue. Okay. Well, in, in that they didn't do what they needed to do at the time they needed to do it to correct the issues. All right. Let me, because we're, we're short on time right now, Rick, but we'd love to have you come back maybe in another six, six seven weeks when the season's kind of winding down. But let me ask you a question. The commissioner, and I think rightly so, has wanted to pick up the pace of play. Uh, is there any data, albeit just three weeks or so, on whether games are moving along at any different rate than they were prior to the umpire assist? There is. Now, please understand, we we engineered and pioneered pace of play yeah. and had a lot to do with the rules you currently see at MLB. Um, but just in the time we've been working with MLB on these test rules, our average time of nine-inning game is down by four minutes yeah. this this season so far. 
I, I predict when this is really implemented at the major league level, you will see a 10, 11-minute shift in time. I think this is the number one thing that will improve the pace of play. I really do. I felt that for three or four years. You stop all the grumbling and, uh, you know, the griping and all that stuff. Rick, we really appreciate your coming on. Uh, the president of the Atlantic League, it's really a fascinating topic. And uh, I think, as you can tell from Craig's questions, it's there are passionate people on both sides of these these issues. Well, we, we recognize that. And, and again, thank you for having me, Craig, Stan. It's always a pleasure. I'll look forward to the next time, I'll, okay? I'll be, I'll be sending you an email this week, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> Rick. I promise I will respond. I do to everyone. Rick, thank you very much for coming on. Appreciate it. Thanks, gentlemen. Have a good morning. All right. We're gonna that was our, fun. That was fun. That was fun. You asked really good questions. You really did. Um, we're going to make our connection. We're not going to take a timeout. We're going to make our connection with Andrew Stetka, and then we'll take a break after so Andrew we went, Stetka. We went from real fun to Andrew Stetka. Yeah. You know, yeah, what are you going to do? Point. That's, that's, a good point. <laughs> that's another good point. That's a good point. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm really interested. I'm going out to Aberdeen tonight. I'm mm-hmm. going to go see Rutschman play. <clears throat> but I'm going to look up York's schedule. I'm going to try and get out to a game. I want to see firsthand what it's like. I think this is going to be a, a really positive to the game. I'm, you know? I'm very skeptical, skeptical about why, it. What, why are you skeptical about it? Because. If everybody buy, eventually buys into it, what, what's wrong well, with it? Well, you're saying everybody has to buy into it. They're, they're not going to have a choice in this. Whether right. they buy into it or not, right? They'll either right. they'll either buy into it or they won't have their job. Right, exactly. Okay. So I mean, to, to throw that argument out the door. <laughs> okay, but but so what are you against it? Once that it takes that the ag- human element out of it. Okay, but, the but, human but, element that you just said, Brian Honora called two pitches that were totally out of the strike right, zone. Right, and if you're Major League Baseball, you should be grading Brian Honora on that. Yanking him into the office, just like any other employee would be yanked into the office. Why not cut out the BS and just have the strikes called correctly? That's to me. Why don't you just cut out the BS and get, do your job the way you're supposed to do it? Because they're not going to do it that way with the union protections in place. All right. Do we have Stetka? We do have we Stetka. Have Stetka. <laughs> Bill Stetka? No. I don't want Andrew Stetka. <laughs> we wanted, we <laughs> wanted <laughs> Bill Stetka. <laughs> we wanted Bill Stetka. <laughs> Remember that movie, the documentary, Get Me Roger Stone? We right. said, Get Me Bill Stetka. Right. All right. We've got Andrew Stetka, who writes for Utah Street Report and, and MassInSports.com. First of all, we had a very informative, lively discussion with the uh, president of the Atlantic League about umpire assist, the uh, supposed electronic balls and strike umpire. Where do you stand on this, Andrew Stetka? Well, first of all, you guys got the easier stick. I'm I'm just a phone call away. I don't know how you get in touch with that other guy. All right, well, um, that's true. You have to text but, him. But you, but you know what? Through Alex. The next time we call, we want Jen Stetka on here. That's what we want. That, that's she, she's way down the list. That's even tougher. <laughs> that's even tougher than the other guy. We'd have me. to ask OJ to help us get in touch with your dad. He'd be looking <laughs> on the golf courses. You know. uh, exactly. So how do how do you stand on this? Uh, you know, I'm open to, to change. Uh, you know, unlike Craig, I you know, he's, I, I hear he's very against this. I mean, you, you gotta you gotta get the calls right. That's the that's the biggest thing to me. And we've seen this. This is not just a baseball thing. This is happening across all sports. Um, it's it's really a big you know a big uh, piece of contention right now in the game of soccer. They're implementing replay in there. 
I mean, the, 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 you know, we've seen it happen in tennis over the last few years with the uh, the line calls. They've done a really good job of that. Tennis, I think, probably does the best job of of just you know using some form of video or or uh, technology to get the calls right. I mean, this this kind of thing we, we we've seen it implemented in the NFL over the last few years. This kind of thing is just it's just technology catching up to you know the, the sporting world in general, and I think it's. It's all going to happen eventually and, and, and be perfected. But for now, there's there's growing pains with it. I'm yeah. interested to see how it plays out. And from this standpoint, when they went to replay and everybody, you know, threw up the gauntlet there and a lot of people said they were against that. Now, the replay has done some good in terms of getting calls right that umpires miss, you know, plays down the line, first base calls that are bang, bang, that kind of thing. But, Andrew, we've also seen – situations where it's pretty plain and obvious looking at a replay what the call should be and then they still don't get it right now well and that, that and to me that to me i want to i want to see the transcript and and the conversation of what goes on between the umpires and and the people in new york at when it comes at that point i, I really do in my mind, a lot of the times when you see a, a problem like that, there is more an issue with a way a rule is written and a technicality with the way a rule is written. Um, and I'm, I'm speaking very much in generalities here, n- not just about baseball. I mean, you know, th- there's, there's a lot of gray area sometimes in the way that a rule is written and, and how it should be called versus what we actually see on a replay um, and, and, and what we think should be called. That's, that's the case in a lot of these situation now i agree with you you know sometimes it, it it appears that there's a call that should obviously be made on a replay or you know in in any kind of form of technology that's being used to get calls right um and 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 it goes the opposite direction and and that's confusing to all of us and that's where these growing pains come in and and, and what has to be perfected you know in, in the long run we're talking with, okay we're talking with andrew stetka who writes for utah street report and Masson Sports. Um, in the last three, four weeks, the Orioles have gone twelve and twelve, and the Detroit Tigers have gone <laughs> have gone four and twenty, and they are now ahead of the Orioles, or if you want to say it correctly, they're behind the Orioles by two games. Is this a big deal if the Orioles end up getting the the number two pick instead of the number one pick? Is this going to somehow totally turn the tables on the time the t- the timetable for the Orioles uh, rebuild I mean in, in a word no yeah. I just wish that of the of the of the 12 games they did win over the last few weeks I the one I went to could have been one of them that was a shame <laughs> uh, I, I I got to see them when they were out here in Arizona earlier this week and they when they lost uh, one of one of the three games to the D-backs but um, but in a word no Stan I mean it, whether they picked first second third I mean I don't think they're going to have any chance of slipping out of the top five this year. Yeah. Um, frankly, I still think they got a great shot at the number one pick. This is not a good team. They're going through a little bit of a, you know, it's, it's weird to call a 500 run a hot streak, but um, <laughs> they are playing a little bit better over the last, you know, week and a half or so. Um, and, you know, that, but that's not, it's not like it's going to set them back that far. I mean, this team is still going to be in the bottom, you know, tier of of major league baseball and they're going to have a high draft pick whether that's one two three four um they're going to get a a a very good player in the draft next year and and hopefully a a few of them um throughout the you know the 
the the first the early rounds just like they hopefully did this year. But to to me, the the, the bigger you know grand thing about this, it, it's about getting good players into your organization, sure. But I think that one of the bigger problems that really gets overlooked that the Orioles had over the over the last few years and and what kind of got them into this situation is not just getting good players into your organization, but it's developing them into better players mm-hmm. once they get there. Um, the Orioles, you know, for years were, were were getting talent in the organization, but they weren't able to develop it properly, and that's I think going to be the biggest thing. And and it's tough for fans to kind of get a grasp on that yeah, wrap uh, because, your arms it, it, around. It, because it's not something you can see it's not you can't look at a prospect ranking sheet and see how many you know top 100 prospects an organization has you, you know when you're talking about development that's not something that is, is is tangible it's not something you can hold on to it's something that you just kind of have to have faith in and rely on happening um, and obviously it didn't come through for the Orioles for many years and that's why they're in the situation that they're in right now um, with so few quality big leaguers on the roster, uh, you know it, it's something you really just have to be blind about and kind of have faith in that, that that's happening properly down there throughout the minors and and as players graduate uh, on different levels and and eventually hopefully make it up to the majors. Well, I just hope the fans understand that they need to trust the process. And they don't. And if you're on social media, you know that they don't. Because, yeah, they don't. They, they, there's a lot of frustration. I, uh, there's a lot of frustration. But you, you, we've talked about it being a rebuilding year. We talked about it being that way ever since the end of last season. And yet you still get, you know, the passionate fans. And I understand where they're coming from in terms of, you know, why did Hyde do this? And everybody wants to fire Hyde now. And, you know, and I'm like, well, what are you talking it. about? <laughs> I understand it to an extent as well because part of the reason is this is a very um, – uh, hurt fan base. I mean, they went through a decade and a half of really, really dreadful baseball. And I can understand that those scars are still there. Um, it's, you know, when you, when you go back to being at the bottom of the league, like they have so quickly after, after a really good, you know, mm-hmm. five year stretch where there was three playoff appearances and, and winning baseball in a packed stadium. When you go back to the other end of the spectrum, people are having flashbacks now to that 14 year, stretch where they were a losing team every year and that's really difficult to grasp and it's 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 traumatic you know i i say that in a in a sports sense obviously i mean there are more important things in the world but but for fans of this team you you look back at that that era of baseball the dark ages as so many call it and it's you don't want to see another 14 years of losing and that's really that's something that's really really difficult to get over and so I can understand why fans would be frustrated and upset with it, but there is a, a certain level of you know understanding that has to come with it. You have to realize that this is a three, four, five-year process to get this thing turned around, and you also have to just have faith that the organization has brought in um, Mike Elias and his crew to kind of do this thing in a, in the right way and do it uh, over over a process. And uh, you know, Brandon Hyde, I know he's getting a lot of Black on on social media, but I mean, what what did anyone expect this season? Well, I mean, in, indeed, and then you see the fans that, that then there's the other faction that says, "What are they doing? They're winning. They're going to screw up the number one <laughs> draft pick." Right. I mean, right. well, you know, I, well, yeah, I, I've, I've covered I've covered this game and a lot of games every, for thirty years, and I'm going to tell you right now, whether you believe it or not, 
There's not a team out there that That's says tanking. we're going to tank tanking. to get the number one pick. No, it just doesn't not. work that way. Right. It might tank in basketball where where you're looking for one player out of the 12 you have or 14 to to think you're going to get that substantive a change five years later from a one a number one pick right. in baseball just ain't happening. Hey, Andrew, well, yeah, you, you Andrew, mentioned it in basketball. It's a much smaller roster. Yeah, that's what I'm you saying. You can turn you things have, around so much faster, yeah, and, and, and you're right. That just can't happen in yeah, and Andrew One Rutsch, player does not make a difference. Andrew Rutschman's not going to help the Orioles until probably 2021. Oh, that's too long, field. Stan. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> hey, um, apropos. Apropos to what you were talking about, I had, and I know you're not an avid um, uh, guy who's always on my uh, after bird watching. But you know that there's a guy on there that's all so about this rebuild, uh, AJ. And he pointed out something the other night, and I thought it was interesting. I've been maintaining that the, the beauty of the Astros and what Jeff Lunau, Elias, Sig Madol, and the analytics have allowed them to do is acquire Justin Verlander, Ryan Presley, Garrett Cole, and somehow – present them with a secret sauce that has made them substantially better in an Astros uniform than in their prior uniforms. All of a sudden, what you, what you alluded to, Andrew, about developing the talent on hand, you think it's a coincidence that all of a sudden these pitchers from Lother and Bowman and Alex Wells and uh, Zimmerman, that all of a sudden they're all having great seasons under this regime, I don't well, think, I think it's that an accident. Well, I seen whether it's a coincidence or not. Yeah. I mean, it very well could be, but at yeah. the same time, we're seeing, you know, uh, these pitchers down in, especially in Bowie and, yeah. and other places, have a lot of success, which is which is great. I think you still have to um, tamp down expectations to a point. I mean, we're always told that, you know, out of, what, 10 prospects, that, yeah, that, 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 two, are, that are highly right. thought of, one or two might hit and become major leaguers. I think you still have to have that kind of level of um, expectation. But for, for for the Orioles to have, you know, five, six, seven different pitchers throughout the minors right now that are performing well and having good seasons, I think that's really encouraging. Um, and I think it's it, it should be, you know, like I said, somewhat exciting yep. uh, for Orioles fans to think about down the line that they may have some of these pitchers, even if they're not all, you know, going to fill up a rotation at one time, at least guys who are, you know, just can be contributors down the line and, and can be fourth or fifth starters or, you know, maybe guys that can even be flipped for other players. You know, maybe the Orioles are getting to a point where uh, they're, they're, they're on the verge of becoming good and they can trade some of these guys that are on the verge for even better players. You never know what might happen down the line. I mean, how many times have the Orioles always said, boy, let's get this guy from the Dodgers. It goes back to trading Eddie Murray when we got Juan Bell back because the Dodgers had built him up. If there's an aura around your 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 upcoming talent, I don't think you're wrong at all, Andrew. I think you're right on the money that maybe two out of the ten make it to your team and are impact players, but another two or three can be used to flip in trades. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the Dodgers. Think about the Dodgers in the position they're in right now. You yeah. know, they've they've been to a couple of uh, World Series, haven't won it yet, but they've 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 been a successful club over the last few seasons. Um, you know, always always out there winning that National League West, and 
they also, while having success at the major league level, have been able to build up their farm system to a point that teams would love to go in there and give up their major league talent to pluck some minor league talent from them. Um, and they're in a position where they can do kind of whatever they want. I mean, they could give up some of their minor league talent to get other major league talent, or they could continue to sustain this thing and rely on that minor league talent to continue to filter into the major league team over the next few years and continue this run that they've been on. I mean, if they keep making World Series here year in and year out, they're eventually going to win one. I mean, that's just the you know the statistics of it. I mean, so that they're in a, they're in that position where you, you can build up that farm system and just have it be really really strong and 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 continue to pluck from it into your major league roster, um, or they have the option, like I said, to, to go get other players from other teams that they might want and give up some of their prospects. Oh. It's, it's a great position for them to be, and they, they, they kind of have you know uh, everyone at their feet uh, and, and you know are, have that ability. Are you making that assessment about the Dodgers, kind of thinking about the Atlanta Braves, who won 14 years winning the division and only won one World Series? Well, but I'll tell you what, if you're an Orioles fan right oh, now. Oh, you take you that in a heartbeat, absolutely. Right. And, and, and people, people give the Braves and that, that era of Braves teams a lot of grief all the time, but you win a world, you, they won a World Series. They, it right. wasn't like they didn't win any, and Braves fans will always have that to look back on. As they say, flags fly forever. They were a, a, a dominant organization for, for so many years. And, and you, like, you bring up a great point, Craig. I mean, that's, that is kind of the model. You, you, you keep going to the World Series and keep winning your division and give yourself as many opportunities and chances as you can, and you will probably win one. And that's, I know, I know the, the generation of Orioles fans right now would take that a hundred times out of a hundred, they just want one to, to to savor right now. Right, because you haven't been one since '83, and you cannot win one unless you get there. And right. when and I, you increase your chances if you continue to give yourself the opportunity. Absolutely, even like like the Dodgers. I mean, the Dodgers haven't won one since since the '80s as well. But if they continue to go there and continue to to make the runs and win the division every year and put themselves in position they will eventually break through and win one. Right, and that's the great thing about the trade deadline, which we're about to encounter. And it's different, obviously, this year because there's the non, you know, there is no more non-waiver trade trade deadline. But, you know, the the beauty of the wild card and getting there into the postseason has has really kind of, you know, from a trade deadline standpoint, a lot of teams still think that they have a shot, so they're sometimes reluctant to be sellers you know, and, and well, and you think about the Orioles' most recent run too. I mean, that that five-year yeah. stretch, t- two out of those three playoff appearances were in that wild card spot. Um, obviously, they won the one wild card game, lost the other, but they continued to give themselves a shot. And you know that 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 middle uh, playoff appearance where they won the division and, and made it all the way to the ALCS. That's the kind of opportunities we're talking about here. If you continue to give yourself a shot. You know, eventually you could. I mean, the Orioles ran into a, a Royals team that year in the ALCS that was red hot, and and you know, but but in a different situation in a different year, you continue to give yourselves those shots. It could have been the Orioles lifting the trophy at the end there. Well, you know, the funny part about that is though that Royals team, all four of those games from the Orioles' perspective were winnable, but oh, yeah. they they turned that into and and really when you think about bullpens in the postseason and that philosophy. That team, more than anyone, to me, was the quintessential, uh, you know, model, if you will, because they had starting pitching that if they got to five, five, six innings at the most out of their starters, 
the three guys they were using on the back end of that bullpen were locked down. Yeah, you're 100% right. I mean, all four of those games, you know, in that series sweep were tight, and it was, it never really felt like, I mean, it felt like a sweep from the standpoint of they lost all four games, but it never really felt like that watching each game. It was a tight series, and, you know, like you said, you keep giving yourself those opportunities, and eventually you could break through, and that's kind of what what the model is these days. Those first three games of that series were the most nauseating games I've watched, I think, ever as an Orioles fan. Because, look, my first year on the air was 1983 in any meaningful way. I did this show called All About Baseball on Saturdays and Sundays before and sometimes after Oriole games on WFBR, which was the home of Oriole baseball. If you had said to me, Stan, you'll be in your 70s the next time the Orioles win or appear in a World Series, I would have said, you got to have your head examined. We're one of the best organizations in baseball, and it just is the way of baseball. Uh, and look, it's hard to believe the Dodgers, they won their last World Series five years after the Orioles won a World Series. They haven't won one. Now, they've had the benefit of being in a couple uh, the last two years. And, and to Andrew's point, that's what makes those 14 years before Buck Showalter got here yeah. so tough on fans because – I give Dan Duquette from, some credit. Oh, too. Absolutely. But from from sixty one to eighty four, right? That was the winningest organization in all of baseball. And with Earl Weaver at the helm, if you didn't finish first or second, you know something was wrong because Earl always had them in contention. Yeah, no question about it. Hey, uh, just read this story. It's kind of neat. Uh, Mookie Betts hit the three home runs last mm-hmm. night. Did you know that before Friday's game, Betts met with a child? from the Make-A-Wish Foundation, 10-year-old Nico Sapienza, who asked him to hit a home run for him. I'm glad he came, Betts said. He's our good luck charm. He's a great kid. I think him and his family had fun down at BP. If I can use the platform I have to make people smile like that, then I know I've done something well. That's a great story. That's a good story. And you know when you talk about guys hitting three home runs in games, there was – him last night, Nelson Cruz the night before. Yeah, and well, I don't like to talk about that because uh, <laughs> Lucas Giolito was on my fantasy team. Well, yeah. How could you pitch? How could he pitch to him the third time? Number one, what is the manager thinking? And number two, why didn't he just walk the guy? Well, it was that it was that conversation the pitching coach had when he went out to the mound, Andrew, and said. You know, there's a guy in Baltimore named Stan Charles. He's got you on his fantasy team. True, it's true. <laughs> that is what happened. That is what happened. We're talking with Andrew Stetka. Andrew, so what are you writing about uh, right now about the Baltimore Orioles? Uh, you know, I'm I'm really just kind of looking at it, – it's funny. I, some of the stuff that I've written about over the last few weeks has really been the fan reaction, kind of what we were talking about earlier, to this whole process and how – um, you know, all of this losing that the Orioles have gone through is, is, is freaking fans out. And that's what's kind of, I, I wouldn't say it's bothered me, but it's surprised me to an extent. It's almost a what were you expecting type of, um, you know, type of response from me. I'm, I'm trying to get to the bottom of, of some of that. And, um, you know, it's, it's just one of those things that's, that's bothered me from, from, just from a standpoint of, you know, wondering what the fans' mindset is going into this whole thing. Um, I've also recently written, I, re- I wrote recently about the uh, the Andrew Kashner deal and how people kind of freaked out about that as well. 
um, you know, trading away a, a veteran pitcher um, for a, a couple of teenagers really bothered some people, and, and that, that puzzled me as well. Um, you know, with the trade deadline coming up this week, um, I think fans are really going to be disappointed no matter what the Orioles do, even though I don't really think they're going to do a lot. Um, and that's just one of those things that I, I'm kind of looking at. I'm, I'm, I'm really interested to see how fans are reacting to this whole process. Um, that's, that's the most, you know, to me, the process is going to play out how it's going to play out. There's, there's, we don't have any control uh, uh, over it as fans or media members or reporters or any of that. Um, but it's fascinating to watch, but it's also fascinating, like we were talking about earlier. You've got a fan base here that was, you know, put through the ringer for 14 years of losing, and then they got the taste for, for five years of, of winning and a couple of playoff appearances, and now they're, they're back on that other end. It's a real roller coaster with this organization over the last 20, 25 years. Um, and it, it's interesting to me to see how fans react to all of that um, and, and to know that people are going to freak out when they you know, trade Michael Givens for you know, a prospect that they've never heard of and is not ranked on the, you know, on the Baseball America list or, or any, anything else. You know, they're, they're not going to get the return that they want for some of these players, but I keep reminding people that um, if the Orioles had better players to be trading, they wouldn't be losing as many games That's as they a are. great point. <laughs> yep. Great point. Andrew, we've got a run. We've got uh, Matt Slatis, the GM of the Aberdeen Ironbirds, coming up in just a couple minutes. Should Thank be exciting you. times down there over, over the next few days. I'm going to be there tonight for the uh, debut at Aberdeen of Adelaide Rutschman. Thank Indeed. you, Andrew. Always Anytime, a pleasure guys. to talk to you. Okay. Hey, Baltimore's favorite bar is just 771 feet from home plate. That's Sliders Bar and Grill. They had an amazing crowd there last night, people coming in before and after the Billy Joel concert. It's the perfect sports bar for baseball season and all things sports with the big events on dozens of TVs. Daily specials include Mexican Monday, Wingding Wednesday, Bloody Brunch Sunday, and more with different brinks drink specials every day of the week. You can also book your private parties at Sliders with great spaces upstairs and on the outdoor patio overlooking Camden Yards. Sliders is Baltimore's neighborhood sports bar. See them at slidersbaltimore.com and be sure to visit Sliders today. The latest edition of Press Box is available now, and it's a special double issue celebrating Ed Reed's upcoming induction to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farms. You can also find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. This is the old left-hander Ross Grimsley. You know, I've always known a little something about special pitchers, but today I'm pitching to you about a very special restaurant, the Costas Inn. Located at 4100 North Point Boulevard, the Costas Inn is known far and wide for their great steamed crabs and crab cakes. But get a load of the nightly specials. Monday night is rib night. Tuesday night, crab cake night. Wednesday night, steak night. Lobster nights on Thursday. Friday, Pete and Nick offer a variety of special dinners. Take it from me, Ross Grimsley. I'm no special. And the Costas Inn is one hell of a special place. In Birdland, summer looks a lot like strolling under the lights on Utah Street, diving into a juicy Boog's barbecue sandwich, snagging exclusive giveaways, and tagging your friends to get theirs too, saving big with kids cheer free, or sipping on an ice cold brew on the Budweiser roof deck while jamming out to the all new Birdland Summer Music Series. Whatever gets you going this summer, Oriole Park has you covered. And all you need is your ticket. Be part of it all. Orioles.com. 
Baltimore's favorite bar is just 771 feet from home plate. Sliders Bar and Grill, just steps from Camden Yards, is the perfect sports bar for baseball season and all things sports with all of the big events on dozens of TVs. Daily specials include Mexican Monday, Wing Ding Wednesday, Bloody Brunch Sunday, and more with different drink specials every day of the week. You can also book your private parties at Sliders with great spaces upstairs and on the outdoor patio overlooking Camden Yards. Sliders, Baltimore's neighborhood sports bar. See them at slidersbaltimore.com and be sure to visit Sliders today. This is Ross Grimsley. Join Press Box and myself at Sliders on Monday, July 8th for the All-Star Home Run Derby from 7 to 9 p.m. I'll be behind the bar as a guest bartender serving drinks and talking baseball. I'm even buying the first 50 people that show up their first Fancy Clancy Pilsner. That's right. The first 50 of you will get your first Fancy Clancy Pilsner on me. That's Monday, July 8th at Sliders Bar and Grill across the street from Camden Yards. The Home Run Derby, Press Box, Fancy Clancy Pilsner, and me, Ross Grimsley. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash Ross for details. Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values, earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com slash bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. The latest edition of Press Box is available now, and it's a special double issue celebrating Ed Reed's upcoming induction into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. The legendary safety detailed his odyssey from an unheralded prospect out of New Orleans, Louisiana, to a Hall of Fame career in Baltimore, and his commitment to both hometowns. Plus, the teammates, coaches, family members, and friends that know Ed Reed the best share their favorite stories about him ahead of his induction. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Glenn Clark and Kyle Ottenheimer here from Glenn Clark Radio. Kyle, you know, I'm regularly asked by folks about how we get so many great guests on our show. Well, I, I work really hard to get some of the biggest names on with us. I know you do, and the world recognizes it, but I want to challenge you to try to get some even bigger guests on the show moving forward. Okay, what do you have in mind? Well, nothing crazy. Like, what about Tim Tebow? Oh. Or, or how about Leonardo DiCaprio or, or Lady Gaga, maybe Barack Obama? Uh, you know what? I'll settle for Wilt Chamberlain. Well, I think he died. What? Yeah, like 20 years ago. So that's a maybe? Maybe Java Chamberlain. Glenn Clark Radio, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio and Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. No one wants to talk to Java Chamberlain. If trying something new was a bad idea, many of us would still be wearing polyester. This message is brought to you by Glory Days Grill. You may know us for our great burgers and wings, but Glory Days Pros mix it up with the fresh cedar plank salmon, cut in-house and grilled to perfection, or sizzling and juicy steaks, meaty ribs, we have handcrafted salads and sandwiches by our talented chefs. Change tastes good, we promise. Experience the Glory Days Grill menu in all its glory. Glory Days Grill, great food. Good sports. We're back in the live casino hotel studio. Stan the fan along with Craig Heist. We are your Saturday morning bat around guys from 10 to 12 every Saturday. Uh, joining us now is somebody who's got an exciting evening in front of him. A lot of work in front of him to get there uh, for the 605 start versus Hudson Valley tonight at um, Ripken Stadium. That's the general manager 
of the Aberdeen Ironbirds, and that's Matt Slatus. Matt, uh, we had you on uh, Glenn Clark's show the other day just to talk about the rumors that we can right. now con- that we can now confirm that Adlai Rutschman is going to play tonight uh, for the Aberdeen Ironbirds in their home game against Hudson Valley. You got it, Stan. It was. Uh, it feels like it was just yesterday that those were rumors. But you know, the Orioles were uh, excited to announce that yesterday afternoon, and I know Adley's going to be in the lineup tonight at Lighthouse Field at Ripken Stadium. Uh, do we know what number he's going to wear? We do. He uh, he's going to stick with thirty-five, which was his his number at Oregon State. Okay. Um, I'm not quite sure what he wore in the Gulf Coast League, but I know we've got thirty-five ready for him, and uh, we're going to wear the. Orioles orange uniforms this evening, so it'll uh, it'll be a good indoctrination into uh, Baltimore baseball for them. Now, last night you had fireworks, and was it a sellout last night? It was. It was our fifth sellout of the season. I, I think with uh, Adley's efforts tonight, we're probably going to get to number six, and um, we're really excited with the way the Baltimore baseball fans, not just the Hartford County and Upper Chesapeake fans, have reacted, but really how this whole Baltimore market has reacted to Adley being in town. I, uh, I had a staff member of mine pick him up at the airport last night, and he actually said folks were asking him to, Adley said folks were asking for him to stop sign autographs at BWI. <laughs> That's really very, very cool. So my question is, I wanted to have you on just to, to uh, as part of our ongoing sponsorship and everything, to plug the fact that it's exciting for the near future but tonight, immediately, are there still tickets available that people could pick up tonight for the 605 game versus Hudson Valley at Ripken Stadium? There are. So right now we've got about 500 tickets left. I, I can't promise you they're going to be available at the box office just before the game. Right. So I would encourage, encourage people to visit ironbirdsbaseball.com or call our box office, 410-297-9292. This is really, tonight, Stan, in my mind, this is the rebirth of, of Baltimore baseball. And what better place for the Orioles to see that cultivated and begin than in the, the house that Cal Ripken built up here in Aberdeen. Now, to ton- take uh, the, the history and the future and bring it all together tonight, it's going to be a lot of fun. All right, so 500 seats available for tonight's game. I think it'll end up being a sellout as we get word out there, as word reaches around. Now, how about tomorrow there's a 405 game versus Hudson Valley. It's kids run the bases, which I know is probably a great attraction anyway. Uh, how many seats available tomorrow's game? We, we've got a pretty similar number of seats left. I think that you know you're going to see Adley play tonight. You're going to see him play tomorrow. Come on out, help come to both of them. It's yeah. uh, it, it's going to be a great time at the ballpark tonight. We also have um, maybe lost in a little bit of the excitement about Adley. We've got the world-famous Jabali acrobats performing during the game as well. So there, there's something for everybody. If, if Dad wants to see Adley, bring the kids out, bring the family out. There's going to be a lot of fun at the park tonight. Now, additionally, in the month of August, there are 12 home games. Do you, and I know that you don't decide these things, do you think there's a fair chance that Adley will be with the team throughout the month of August? You know, it's it's definitely above my pay grade, like you mentioned. I think that's that's up to Mr. Elias downtown. But I wouldn't be surprised if he hung around for a little while. Okay. I think that uh, you know everyone knows he was a little under the weather the last couple of weeks, and 
hasn't played in a whole lot of games since the college season, so he's probably getting his two legs straight and um, getting ready to play some ball here. All right, next weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night, uh, Sunday afternoon, 7.05 Friday, 6.05 Saturday, 4.05 Sunday against Vermont. Then the team goes out of town for a quick three weeks to Connecticut, uh, three games, not three weeks, to Connecticut, and then home for three more on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday evening against Staten Island. So plenty of chances over the next 10, 12 days to see Adley Rutschman. I got to pump the brakes on one thing. You don't control his schedule of playing, correct? The ball club will do that. Exactly. So I I don't know when Adley's going to be in the lineup, but I know these these 2019 draft picks are getting a heck of a lot of playing time up here this year. Um, And we're we're honestly – Quite honestly, one of the hottest teams in minor league baseball. 18-6 and six in our last 24 games. Club's playing well. We sent a couple of guys up to Delmarva. And I'm telling you, that the future is now because you're seeing a lot of guys play here that will ultimately be at Camden Yard just a year or two down the road. All right, I'm excited. I'll be out there for the press conference today at 4.15 and uh, want to see my first looks at Adlai Rutschman. Uh, Matt, thank you very much for coming on on short notice. I know you got a busy day ahead of you. Okay. Did he, did we lose him? All right. Okay. We'll see you later today. All right, Matt. Thank you. That answered that question. Thank you very much, Matt. Must have been going through the toilet floss. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. All right. There we have it. Matt Slatis. It's pretty exciting stuff. Pretty exciting stuff. And, you know, if, if everybody – is on board with what all the scouts are talking about and saying that this is a can't-miss guy. Uh, like like Matt said, you know, this is the, the real baseball, the future, is really right about this guy right now. And, and I, I just think it's a, an exciting time. I'm interested to see. We, we saw what his pro debut was like, you know, the pro home, you know, the first home run. Uh, down in yeah. Florida. Wouldn't surprise me if he hits one tonight. It wouldn't surprise me, yeah. Look out 95. <laughs> All right. Why don't you introduce our next guest who's waiting for us on the line? All right. He is the beat writer for the Washington Nationals from the Washington Post, Jesse Dockerty. How are you, Jess? Good well, man. How are you? Good. Uh, well, you know, we saw a couple of uh, a couple of tough losses in the last two days. And one last night, I guess you could argue the fact that uh, maybe Javi Guerra should have been kept in that ball game, but uh, the analytics and the lefty-lefty matchups dictated that uh, Dave Martinez was going to go in another direction and wound up costing him the ball game. Yeah, I, I, I don't I, I don't think Guerra should have been kept in there. I mean, Chuck Peterson's splits against lefties and righties are pretty clear. I mean, he crushes right-handers. He's, he's not great against lefties. And Tony Sipp can get the ball to the plate and get that out. We're not even having this conversation. So I don't think any of the bullpen management last night was – particularly bad. I and mean, then Dave Martinez had very limited options after after a tough series against the Rockies. And then, you know, he went with what he had, and they didn't, they didn't deliver. I mean, that's, just, that's, that's how it goes sometimes. Hey, more important than these two losses is the news that Craig gave me earlier in the show in discussing Max Scherzer, that he's got this strain in his back, uh, muscle strain. Um, how, how concerning is this to the ball club right now? It's certainly concerning. It's your, it's your best player, and you don't really want anybody like this caliber to be out or sidelined or 
are not available for what's you know shifting into a, a division race and a Senate race. But at the same time, I mean, Max Max did call it a mild strain. He didn't seem like it'd be something that would would linger for too long. But we've been sort of discussing this injury for a while now. It's something that wouldn't keep him out, wouldn't keep him sidelined, wouldn't keep him off off the mound. And, and to this point, it's still been an issue. So I, I think the concern level, you know, raises every time and setback occurs, and every time he, every start he misses, I mean, you'd be more concerned for sure. The other day, it, it hit me while I was doing the Mid-Atlantic Sports Report, and I posed the question to my cohort in the panel, Mel Anton, and there's been so much focus on Mike Rizzo going out and acquiring a relief arm, and don't get me wrong, I know they need that help. Do you see a possibility, though, that he sort of turns the screw and says, you know what, I better get a, another starting pitcher in case this Scherzer thing is a little more... Uh, problematic. Yeah, I mean, I think the first priority is the bullpen, and it should be. I mean, there's a chance that, you know, Mike explores the sort of um, back-end selling rotation market and, and sees what he can add there. But at the same time, this team has to fix this bullpen. It's become even more apparent the last two days. It's been, you know, it's been apparent since early April. So, you know, I, I think that's that's the move we're probably looking at and expecting. Um, and then, you know, from there, we'll see, we'll see how it goes in terms of adding other people to the roster. Well, you know, they... They, they've got a stretch right now of this homestand with three against the Dodgers and then three more with the Braves. Obviously, the Braves last night, they win the game, but they may have lost the war a little bit uh, with uh, Marquecas going down and also uh, Dansby Swanson and Marquecas. That injury seems to be a, a, a pretty significant one in terms of concern uh, for Brian Snitker and also Marquecas because Marquecas said afterwards that uh, – the wrist, it didn't, it, it didn't look good. Yeah, uh, I, I honestly don't know much about the break situation. I've been sort of tied up in Nats' world, but um, you know, if, if they lost a player and a really good player and a starter, it's obviously not good for them. You never, you never hope for injuries on either end, especially if you're a team like the Nats who are chasing them. They want to sort of chase a team at their, at their best strength and not hope for any, you know, bad luck for a player or a team. But yeah, if, if Mark if Marquez's injury is serious, uh, as I said, I don't really have any any perspective on that just because I'm covering the Nats and we were, we were going on it pretty late last night. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's definitely, not, definitely not good for hey, hey, back to the Nats and that starting rotation. So if Scherzer's out, let's just say for the sake of argument, he's out 10 to 14 days or something like that. Um, they had already moved Joe Ross slightly above Austin Voth and, uh, and Eric Fetty. What what was the reason? It was Ross pitching that well in the minors that they thought he presented them a better chance to win. And what does the Scherzer injury do to Voth, Fetty, and I'll even throw in because I don't know his status. Hellickson is uh, Hellickson in the in the discussion at all about coming back? I mean, no. I mean, Ross I mean, both hurt, so okay. it wasn't like the Nationals made a decision to take Ross over both. I mean, it's He's okay, I didn't know. Out. I didn't know both was hurt. Okay. Yeah, and um, in terms of Fetty, I mean, they both pitched in the last week. It's just that Fetty's spot fell in the, in a way that you know the Nationals sent him down to make room for for you know what was an extra position player the other day. I mean, you can kind of debate that decision and the validity of it, but him and Ross are at different points of the rotation. So right now, they were going to need you're going to need both those guys to fill it out. You know, until until you get to next week and sort of get some breathing room with an off day next Thursday. Um, but yeah, I don't. I don't necessarily think it was a choice between Ross, both and Fetty. Um, 
because, again, both on the IL and, and him and Teddy sort of were both called upon. Okay. And I think that both of them are still proving or trying to prove that they can be part of the rotation moving forward. And what about Hellickson? What's his condition? Is he done for the year or is he an option down the road? Yeah, I mean, there's not been word yet that he's done for the year. It's certainly not trending toward a return in the near future. I mean, he's been he's been throwing a bit. He's he was in the bullpen the other day, you know, throwing some throwing a few pitches off the mound. But um, progress is slow. I mean, he's still building arm strength back up. He's not on a rehab assignment. He's not. He hasn't left the Nationals, and he's been in D.C. rehabbing. So, um, yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna guess on whether he's an option down the road. But right now, I mean, he's not. He's not in the short term plan. Jesse, let me ask you this. Uh, you know, the, the Dodgers came into this series. They had lined up their big three. Were you last night? Kershaw today, uh, and and then tomorrow. Uh, with uh, Bueller, but I'm thinking in terms of just the overall scope from the Nationals' perspective, while the Nationals would like to win a couple of games in this series, I don't think it's the end-all, be-all uh, for them right now, uh, but but certainly a good showing against the Dodgers, and, and the way they played that game last night certainly – I, I think still proves that they're really playing good baseball to this point. It just didn't work out for them last night. Yeah, yeah, sure. And, like, I'm not, you know, to be honest, like, not to be a contrarian on this point, but, like, I'm not really into the whole, like, this Dodgers series is, is a huge series. Like, the Nationals and Dodgers are not connected in any way. You yeah. know, no one, they're not chasing them. They're not, they're not fighting for home field. They're not, I mean, like, it's, it's yeah, is it fun and interesting and a fun storyline that the Nats are playing the best team in the, in the NL and the best record in the league. Yeah, it's, it's interesting and it's fun for fans. And the ballpark was full last night and the energy was high. But in terms of implications, like, like kind of going back to the conversation, everyone was saying, do you push Scherzer one day to start against LA and Atlanta? Like, I don't know. Like, do you need to? Like, it didn't ever really make sense to me how everyone was making a, a matchup with the Dodgers to be some big deal just because of the records. Like, I, the Nats and Dodgers are on totally different planes right now. Competition and and, um, and direct matchups with them don't really mean much more than direct matchups with the Rockies, who, you know, on Thursday is a team that's, like, technically chasing you in the wild card. Uh, right. I know they're far behind. But, um, yeah, I mean, the Nationals did show that they're a good team and they can compete with a team like that. That's good. I mean, you kind of you can learn something about yourself in these games. But in terms of, like, going out of your way to line up your rotation or sort of, like, push any buttons differently because it's the Dodger series, like, you do that next week against the Braves. That's when it gets important and serious, and and I mean all games are important. That's when that's when that's when the stakes raise because it's the division team you're chasing. The Dodgers series to me is sort of just a shiny storyline that maybe we play off a bit. It's funny because Davey Martinez lined Scherzer up, and you know he was able to come back and pitch that last game of the of the Rocky series and everybody was, you know, counting the days down to saying, well, if there was a wild card game, Scherzer would be lined up to pitch that wild card game. Well, now if he misses a start this time, all that goes out the window. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, it's true. It's a, it's a whole situation. <laughs> we'll, we'll see how that unfolds. Hey, Jesse, before we let you go, and we do appreciate the time, your thoughts on how two young players, uh, you know, because Juan Soto didn't really go through any type of pennant chase last year, and Robles was hurt a good chunk of last year and didn't play in the majors, I don't think. Uh, but this year, they're in there. They're both in the lineup every day. How they're holding up and performing during what is a pennant or wild card chase? Yeah, I mean, it's, I think they've been good, man. I mean, they're young guys, and like you want to monitor that. You want to, you know, obviously it's their first full season. You want to make sure they're doing all right. But um, you know, with, with how veteran this team is, when you're 22 and 20, 20 year old, you know, studs can can go every day and be in the lineup and be relied upon to fill their their spot. I mean, that's 
that's valuable. And I think those guys haven't shown any sign of slowing down. I mean, you know, days, days of the swing longer, or they, you know, do they, do they show a little fatigue in some decisions? Like, potentially. I mean, that's, that's just natural. I mean, that's a 162-game season for anybody. But I think they've responded really well to the increased workload, and, and we're seeing it. And um, they've, been, they've been two good pieces. Robles has had some slums, and Soto's been really good and really constant. But overall, I mean, I'd say the returns are great. All right. Last thing I got for you is Kyle Barracloth. He's had a miserable season, uh, finally arriving on the IL about two weeks ago or two and a half weeks ago. Uh, he's been down. Now he's back. And that performance last night, I mean, I wasn't there. I didn't watch it. But when you see what he gave up, the three-run homer to Turner, um, is, is, do you think he can help this team the remaining two months of the well, season? Well, he's option back to the Myers. Okay. So, yeah. All right. That answered um, that. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I mean, as we're talking, I got a, I got a notification from Matt that he's been optioned back. But I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, he's a guy you signed to be in the seventh inning in however spots. And I think last night was sort of showing, showing, hey, he needs to be part of the solution, or he needs to not be on the roster right now. And Nats were will be up. They didn't have Tanner Rainey, Fernando Rodney, uh, or Wander Swero available you know, due to their workload against Colorado. And they said, you know what, Barry, well, give us this out, give us this, uh, you know, get the job done. And he didn't. And um, you know he. You know, he may have been optioned either way because yep. the Nationals went nine, nine bullpen arms and three bench options. So there's a chance he was just there for the night no matter what. But he, I don't think he helped He helped his case by giving up that home run. And, um, yeah, I guess we, we saw the results. And with the guys not available out of that pen last night, that's what happens when you play three games in 24 hours. Yep, yep for sure. All right, Jesse Darty, Doherty of the Washington Post doing a great job covering the Nationals. Thank you for your time this morning. Yeah, of course, Greg. Thanks, man. Okay, thank you. All right, there you have it. There you go. Jesse Dock. Good dude. Yeah. Really Real nice. And, dude. you know, uh, Jorge left last year, uh, and, and he's he, we saw him last night because he's covering the Dodgers out in L.A. Yeah, he's a big shot now. <clears throat> right, he's, he's a big, big shot. shot now. Big so. shot now. He's out there hanging with, you know, the, the movie stars and all that. Right. Lasorda, Larry King, you know. Yeah. It's it's. <laughs> You know, I always, I always look at, uh, at – that's one of the great things about watching Dodger games on TV is you just look behind the plate yeah. and see who's there, Larry King, Mary Hart, you yeah. know, who still looks fabulous for however old she is. You know what's amazing, though? In the old, old days, you used to be able to see – and I'm not saying I watched old Dodger midweek night games because they weren't on then, but you'd always read that Sinatra, Dean Martin, Jerry Lewis – all the stars were there. You really, that's all you see is Mary Hart and Larry King. <laughs> you don't see, you know, today's generation. Yeah, that's true. Penny Marshall was a big Dodger fan. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Who passed away uh, uh, about six months ago, yeah, eight so. months ago. All right. Um, we'll uh, come back in a couple minutes and wrap this thing up. Um, let's, let's tell people about the Costas Inn. Well, first let's tell people where we're broadcasting from. Go ahead. Go ahead. Live Casino Studios. Right off. Live Casino Hotel Studios. Hotel Studios. studios, Right off beautiful downtown 83 here. That's right. That's where we're located. That's right. We're broadcasting from the Live Casino Hotel Studios. We do it each and every Saturday. By the way, Monday, Glenn Clark is back. Hey, how about that? Yeah. And he should be well tanned from his vacation trip to the beach. It looked like from the pictures he was having a – it brought back memories of when I used to go to the beach as a kid with my parents before my dad died so young uh, in 1958. 
but it reminded me seeing him taking him the miniature golf and uh, laying on the beach. It just uh, being buried by his and, and watching his wife yeah. beat him in miniature <laughs> golf. <laughs> <laughs> Now, the one thing we, he didn't show pictures of, his kids actually piled the sand on him, uh-huh. and then his wife came over and piled it over his face. Well, that, and that, well that's that's what being married is all about, you know? <laughs> and then the kids had to come and save Glenn. That's right. But he'll be back uh, Monday morning, Lord willing, at 10 o'clock. Well, Margaret, you didn't do a good enough job. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, Glenn Clark will be back uh, for another week of uh, Glenn Clark Radio coming up, and it'll be, again... I just can't get over the excitement tonight. Gervonta Davis fights at Royal Farms Arena. If you're a football fan, go down to M&T Bank Stadium for the workout uh, and uh, fireworks show. Then you've got Adley Rutschman in Aberdeen. Uh, 6.05 tonight is start time of that game. And then, if that's not enough, you got the MLL Major League Lacrosse All-Star Game in Annapolis. I can't think of a more chock full of day of chock full of sports day in this area's history and all of that on the heels of billy joel at uh, camden yards last night yeah very exciting very exciting and it was good to see the place packed again (laughs) it was it reminded us of what it's like yeah all right um the costas inn yes it's uh, a special place and one of the reasons it's so special are those incredibly fair and uh, inexpensive special items that they have throughout the week. Throughout the week, Monday, crab cake night on the menu. Tuesday is rib night. Wednesday is uh, steak night, along with half-priced bottles of wine. And Thursday is lobster night. You can get that plain. You can get it stuffed. There's great specials throughout the week on the menu. Uh, One of my favorites, obviously, is uh, the prime rib. When Pete doesn't run out of it, <laughs> uh, Pete. So sometimes you just have to, you know. Yeah. Well, you should be managing. Give, give him some grief. You should be managing the restaurant. Uh, well, there. Uh, well, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, but Nick and Peter, the Costas best. has talked to me about that. He yeah. wants to get rid of both boys. Well, I was he, wants Craig, he wants Craig Heist. Well, I'll tell you, if 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 Nick goes to say Australia to see Springsteen again, right. he's gone. <laughs> But the Costas Inn, located at 4100 North Point Boulevard, uh, if you're into seafood or anything else for that matter, there's, there's just not bad food on the menu. And uh, with crab season here, uh, the best place to get steamed crabs, the Costas Inn, and those crab cakes are to die for. 4100 North Point Boulevard, give them a call, tell them Stan and Craig sent you. Jerry's Tire is located in Baltimore City, just steps away from Little Italy and historic Jonestown. Jerry's not only sells all the major brand tires like Bridgestone, Michelin, and Continental, but is your go-to shop for everything from oil changes to factory scheduled maintenance. All repairs are backed by a nationwide warranty. The team over at Jerry's has been serving the Baltimore area for over 62 years and are eager to earn your business. Give them a call at 410-685-4330 or visit them online at jerrystires.com to shop for tires and schedule an appointment. That's Jerry's, G-E-R-R-Y-S, tires.com. I like world-famous chicken. 
you like world-famous chicken. We all like Royal Farms world-famous chicken. Why? Because Royal Farms world-famous chicken's always fresh, never frozen. Because it's hand-dipped in a secret recipe of herbs and spices. Because it's cooked on the spot, right in the store. And because it's the juiciest, best-tasting chicken on the planet. That's why everyone likes Royal Farms world-famous chicken. Western fries, too. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. This is Ross Grimsley with a reminder to all my baseball friends out there that I'm now part of the Press Box Podcast team. Catch my take on the O's and whatever's going on in this great game of baseball. We'll also touch base with some of my old friends and teammates. Tune in every Tuesday morning or listen anytime at PressBoxOnline.com slash Ross Grimsley Show. Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values, earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com slash bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. The latest edition of Press Box is available now, and it's a special double issue celebrating Ed Reed's upcoming induction into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. The legendary safety detailed his odyssey from an unheralded prospect out of New Orleans, Louisiana, to a Hall of Fame career in Baltimore, and his commitment to both hometowns. Plus, the teammates, coaches, family members, and friends that know Ed Reed the best share their favorite stories about him ahead of his induction. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The Glory Days Grill-to-Go menu is based on a simple reality. You can't spend your whole life at Glory Days Grill. Your boss wouldn't like it, and neither would your kids or your dog. So come to Glory Days and get your food to go. On your way to soccer practice, or to the office, or to, well, wherever. We know the hardest part of visiting Glory Days Grill is leaving. But at least you take a little piece of us wherever you go. Glory Days Grill. Great food. Good sports. As the weather heats up, the menu at Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square cools down. Introducing the all-new Frosted Key Lime, a fun twist on one of America's favorite pies. The new treat is a hand-spun combination of Chick-fil-A's signature ice dream, Chick-fil-A lemonade, and natural sugar-free lime flavoring made from a blend of key limes, copper limes, and Persian limes. Frosted Key Lime gets its green color from a mix of nutrient-rich ingredients. Download the Chick-fil-A app today, place your order, and get points towards free stuff at our Chick-fil-A, Nottingham Square. Plus, if you order using your app, your food will be ready when you get there. Stop by Chick-fil-A in the Nottingham Square Shopping Center at 5198 Campbell Boulevard and tell Steve we sent you. What do live pro boxing, Dwight Yoakam with Sugarcane Jane, a crab feast, Legends in Concert presents two kings and a queen three times, and Norm MacDonald all have in common. They're all events coming up at the Live Casino Hotel Events Center through September the 7th. And again, uh, all manner of entertainment. Boxing, August the 2nd, Friday night. That Saturday, August the 17th, Dwight Yoakam with Sugarcane Jane. The Crab Feast on Sunday, August 18th, 1230 to 230. Uh, in the event center. That must be some big crab feast. And then Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, August 29th, 30th, and 31st, Two Kings and a Queen, Legends in Concert. 
uh, tribute to Frank Sinatra, Tina Turner, and Elvis Presley, and then Norm MacDonald, the one and only comedian, very funny guy, Saturday, September 7th at 8 p.m. So always a lot going on at the event center at Live Casino. Now, flipping over about 50 miles away or 60 miles away from Live Casino is the Aberdeen Ironbirds. Right. They've got games coming up tonight. And again, in case you were uh, under a rock or you haven't recovered from the Billy Joel concert, it was announced yesterday officially, Adlai Rutschman will play for the Aberdeen Ironbirds tonight. Game time is 6.05. They play Hudson Valley. Rutschman is going to DH tonight. Uh, it's been pretty much, I think, announced that he's going to play tomorrow as well at 4.05 against Hudson Valley. Then the Aberdeen Ironbirds go on the road for a few days, but they come back pretty quickly in August. They play the second, third, and fourth against Vermont. That's a Saturday, Friday night, 7.05, Saturday, 6.05, Sunday, 4.05. Then the following week, you got Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, the 8th, 9th, and 10th. That's a Thursday night, Friday night, and Saturday night uh, against Staten Island. I think it's fair at that point to say that Rutschman will be here for these two games uh, t- tonight and tomorrow, those six games. Beyond that, can't promise you where he's going to be. Well, I would think 17. I would think Delmarva after that if it, it works out that I way. I think they may just keep him here uh, and tamp him down a little bit and play him every couple days uh, for Aberdeen, and then I think he's due to go to the Arizona Fall League. Okay. All right? That's what I think. But we'll see. And he may very well hang with the Aberdeen Ironbirds the rest of August. But I don't want to mislead anybody. I feel comfortable that he's going to play the next 10 or 12 games with the Ironbirds. As we were talking with Jesse Doherty about yeah. uh, the Nationals recalled Adrian Sanchez from AA Harrisburg. They optioned Bearclaw back down. And uh, today it will not be Joe Ross. We thought it was going to be Joe Ross. But it's going to be Matt Grace as the opener and then they'll probably go to Joe Ross a little later on in the game. I, li- I actually like that idea. I'm not thrilled with Grace, but I like no. Ross more as the bulk guy. And i got to tell you, I thought the Orioles' use of Eshelman as the bulk guy was very interesting because by, by avoiding you, – you don't want any pitcher, yet alone a guy that's got his arsenal of pitches or repertoire of pitches – I mean, he can't beat you with his fastball, right. Eshelman. You don't want him facing uh, Mike Trout three times. He faced him twice, and then they got him out of there pitching in that bulk uh, role. And I thought he did a very good job against the Angels for three and a third or four. Actually, four and a third innings. Yeah, and uh, last night, uh, Wojo was just fabulous. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. You know, everyone, they, got, everyone's... they got off to a 7 nothing lead for him. That which, which helps. Which helps, yeah, absolutely. You can calm down, you can pitch. He gave up a couple of runs, but uh, nonetheless. Uh, they may have found something. They may have found something, up, you yeah. know, and it's unfortunate uh, that, John <clears throat> Means. that John Means is on the I.L. right now, but uh, – with Wojo, they could have found something there, much like I think they found with John Means. Yep, yep, yep. I'm excited about. I'm excited about him. I'm excited about Means. Still, I there's something about Eshelman I like. I'm not predicting he's ever going to win 12 games as a pure starter, mm-hmm. but I think I think he fits in next year as a bulk guy. As they, you know, they talked a lot this year. 
that they really you have to prepare a pitching staff organizationally to do the opener effectively. You know, it's it's not just a bullpen day. You mm-hmm. got to be able to work your entire staff around having one or two days a week. By the way, Tampa, what a loss of Blake Snell now. Oh, I know, yeah. coming down the stretch and yeah. They don't expect him to be back until mid-September at the earliest. At the earliest yeah. yeah, that's a t- that's a tough blow. And Tampa, who started off and had at one point five-six game lead over the struggling Yankees and Red Sox, well, the Yankees have had an amazing season this year, and the Red Sox might be coming on. They might might be, be coming, coming on, and uh, you know, with a wild card in play, certainly. Uh, you know, would would you like to face them in a one game playoff with that lineup? Who the uh, with the, the Red, Red Sox? Sox yeah, no, no. I would not want to face them at all. Uh, now the Yankees won't face them in a one color uh, in a, a one game, game playoff, right. whether they win the division or not. Um, they they wouldn't face the Red Sox, but I think the Red Sox, I you know, as recently as when they were in Baltimore a week ago, I said it just doesn't look like it's their season. And now all of a sudden, uh, that offense and boy, Mookie Betts hitting three home runs, an MVP like that, a player who is the MVP, if he comes on the next two months and really says, "Hey, hop on my cape, guys," uh, he could uh, really do some special things for the Red Sox. Oh, I don't think there's any question about it. And you know, I mean, here, here's a an MVP guy who who struggled this year who struggled this year but you know what he's capable of and his defense in right field is fabulous and that's the one thing about their outfield stand defensively they get it done jackie bradley an amazing defender yep you know ben intendi has not had a a big year he hasn't had a big year but uh he's he's certainly adequate out there for sure defensively defensively yeah he's superb and uh but you're right uh, he, but he he kind of goes along with everything else that they've struggled through the first half of the season. You know what's interesting about talking about Betts before we sign off is Betts, he didn't have that crazy year against the, as bad as Oriole pitching has been. Yeah. He didn't do much damage to the Orioles. Not this year, and yeah. I'll tell you what, in pre- previous years he has absolutely been, especially at Camden Yards, Yeah, he has been an Oriole killer. Yeah. Then a, now the guys that did kill the Orioles were Vote, <laughs> Sanchez, right, and that that group in uh, Minnesota absolutely pulverized yeah. the Orioles. All right, thanks for coming in. Yep. What's the schedule next week? You think you're here? Uh, the Orioles are home against Toronto, I do believe. Yeah, I think uh, it's a night game. I night think. game. Uh, either either I go to the beach for three or four days, okay. or you'll see. You me. have permission. You, you have you, my permission. You know, so. All right. Give well, that's a... only because you don't want to pay me. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You can call in from the beach. Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> all right. Thanks. I, to... I don't know how that's going to sound, but <laughs> <laughs> with even all at, the sand, even at ten in the morning. Yeah, how's it going to sound? <laughs> hey, thanks to Ryan uh, McGettigan. Yeah. It's Thank good you to guys. see you again. Yeah. McGettigan again. Ah, oh, clever. Huh? Yeah. I did there. That's me. By the way, I saw a picture on Facebook of the piano keys. Yeah. I was at the concert. Never noticed oh, that. I don't know what. Well, I, was I think watching. that was taken in the afternoon, like <laughs> oh, before okay. the concert. Yeah, I did not know that. But that's right. pretty cool. Very I mean, cool. You, they hang numbers from the from the warehouse, and now they they're hang hanging piano keys. They, they didn't and have that the entire show. I don't think so. No, nah, they did okay. not. Now Craig and I are are talking to the Orioles about next year having a weight a weight loss race. 
Craig Heist right. versus Stan the Fan on the warehouse. Uh huh. And they're the whole just going to drop the numbers. Yeah, they're going to drop. Down, yeah. But more than more than likely, we'll bring, they'd raise the we'll, numbers. We'll bring, After we go to the Costas Inn, they'd raise the numbers. They'll raise the number. Yeah. We'll spring Spiro back and have him play the dramatic right. music right. and everything. <laughs> All right. Hey, um, by the way, did you see? I know I'm going a little long. Did you see the picture about a month ago or six weeks ago of Charles Steinberg with his girlfriend wearing the cowboy outfit? Yes. Diane Hawk was at the concert last night. Uh-huh. And I saw her. She said, you may have the funniest line I've ever read on Charles's uh, Facebook post. And I said, remind me what it was. He goes, in a thousand years, I never thought I'd see Charles Steinberg in a cowboy outfit. Well, there you go. <laughs> All right, many thanks to Ryan McGinnigan and, of course, our guy on the outside. Mm-hmm. He, we don't let him in here. Well, Griffin Bass. It's Griffin he's Bass. too busy doing his job. Yeah, that's right. All right. That's it for this uh, edition of the Bat Around. Don't forget Ross Grimsley's show Tuesday mornings on Facebook Live and Glenn Clark and Kyle Ottenheimer back together again this week, Monday through uh, Friday. Also, Gary Stein with his look at the Premier Lacro- Lacrosse League uh, on Tuesday afternoons.